Hi, my name is Shirley Bilson, and I'm your host for the Revelation podcast. This podcast is about reinvention, courageous goal setting, and inclusive thinking for results. It's a mix of personal journey, reinvention stories, strategies, and exploring the critical role of what goes on between your ears, taking a conscious look at unconscious thinking. Always remember, if you jump in deep enough, you don't have time to be scared. Okay, welcome podcast listeners. So today's guest, I'm delighted to say, is Jacqueline Phillips, all the way from Arizona. And Jacqueline has a very self-effacing introduction, very honest. Uh, she describes herself as having reinvented from a self-sabotaging chronic adulterer to a happy, healthy, and self-loving winner. She sounds right up our street. So um, without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Jacqueline. It's nice to meet you. I'm, glad, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, me too. Uh, and the bit I didn't add, which I hope you don't mind me sharing, was uh, we had a quick conversation at first where I said, oh, you know, you look and sound far too young to be in a midlife reinvention podcast. But you set me straight because you had the misfortune of going through a very early menopause. Is that right? Yes. Uh, at 24, I had a hysterectomy. And because of my age, they didn't consider that transition and what it would do to me. And it was about 10 years of trial and error trying to find the right combination of hormone therapy and nutritional support so that I wasn't just falling apart in my mid-20s. Wow, that sounds awful. Okay. Yeah, awful. Can't imagine it. A lot of patriarchy. I, I recall having to get my husband's permission to have a hysterectomy, even though my uterus was dying and basically bleeding out. Oh my goodness, that's outrageous. It is. <laughs> okay, so so tell us some of your tell, tell us how i mean you can take as long as you like it really doesn't matter yeah. but how did you go from this place where you said you were self-sabotaging you know irrespective of the adultery you were self-sabotaging but now you've you've turned everything around and you you're now a self-loving winner how did you do that so i sort of hit my personal rock bottom um life was absolutely miserable and I didn't want to engage anymore. I didn't want to be here anymore. And I had thrown all my money into a business, my car died, and my husband wanted a divorce all in one week. Oh, that sounds lovely. <laughs> so I was facing this bleak future and I had this awful past that I just wouldn't let go of. I, I, I wore this cape of being a martyr. You know, everything's bad, nothing good will ever happen. I'm Cinderella waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, I'm still gonna be the ugly stepsister. And I just, I, I hit rock bottom and I said, this isn't the life that I want for myself anymore. And so I found a life coach and I found a naturopath and a counselor and I went to Sexaholics Anonymous and I just took this gigantic multifaceted approach and just broke down every barrier that was keeping me from being happy. That's, that's all laudable, but how did you find the strength to go from being at rock bottom? Because even being able to reach out for that help 
takes some reserve of courage and strength. So how do you think you found that in that moment? It's my son. Right. Yeah. I, he was at school. I had the whole house to myself for about six hours and I had planned to hang myself. That's really true. Because I, I didn't think I had any value and I was hurting everyone around me, including myself. And I didn't, I didn't want to continue that path, but I didn't know how to stop it. And unfortunately, I have a medical background. I know how to do it effectively. And the only thing I couldn't control was whether or not he would find me. And that was the one thing I wasn't willing to let happen. Oh, thank heavens for that. Yeah, and so I just, I started really slow and I, sorry, this is still hard to talk about. I'm sorry, are you all right? Are you all right? It's, it's important to talk about because I know I'm not the only one. No. And even though it looks all pretty on the front, the underneath was a hot mess and I know that there's lots of people that feel this way um I just I had just enough there was just that one little spark left that went he needs you yeah he needs a mom who's there and present and can do the right things and be the right person for him yeah if I didn't have him I wouldn't have this conversation with you and I don't tell him I know eventually he'll figure it out, um, but he saves me daily. He motivates me. It's being a parent is like the greatest reward and it's the longest task you'll ever undertake. But I have this amazing connection with this human who I want to give him everything that I never had. Yeah. I want him to have two loving parents. I want him to have safety and security. And to do that, I had to fix me. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, thank, thank you for sharing that. I, I, no one can know what it's like for, for any individual to go through whatever. Um, but I, but I empathise to some extent because it, you know it happens. Well, I, I had a suicide attempt when I was just seventeen. But you know that was really. It's easy to fit now. It's just a kind of teenage thing. Um, but I know what you feel like. I, I've been at that place of, of thinking, like, what value do I bring? I, I keep trying and nothing gets better. Um, yeah. You just do feel like, how, how am I really adding any value here to anybody? And you so want to be that, that beacon of, of um, inspiration, I suppose, to somebody else. And if you feel you're failing at that, it it is monumental so i i really empathize with you and i and thank you i mean from the moment you we've been in touch you're so self-effacing and so straightforward and i love that i love that that's why i wanted you to be on the show because it's just so gorgeous it's it's why i want to share my story you know on paper i looked like i was killing it in life i had oh, a business, yeah, yeah i had a family i had this i had that but underneath it, I was just a a patchwork of band-aids covering bullet holes. And no one knew what I was going through. And I didn't have the freedom to tell people because I was worried about judgment. I was worried about the repercussions. 
And now that I've got to the other side, mm. I want to scream it from the mountaintops and go, you're not alone. Let me help you. Let me be that resource. Let me help you find those resources. Because there really are people out there that this is what they do. Mm. And it can be judgment free. It can be anonymous. And even if your problems aren't as great as mine are, no one should not be happy. It's it's in with it's within reach for anybody. It's absolutely tangible. You have to work and it's scary and it's uncomfortable. But if you're willing, it's there for you. Yeah, yeah. So you reached out to a lot of people. What were the the key things that you've learned that have made the difference that have created that transformation for you? I'm sure there are many and it's hard to isolate, but I'm just curious about which key ones. Well, and that's the thing is there's there's no right approach for anyone. No. Uh, everyone's going to respond differently. I have PTSD. I have severe depression and anxiety. And modern medicine just really wasn't cutting it for me. So I sort of approached it two directions. One was pharmaceutical. One was more life coaching. And I'm going to focus on the pharmaceutical because there is a new treatment out. And I'm really excited about it. Um, ketamine. I'm not sure if you're familiar with ketamine. Uh, I know. Yeah, because the kids use that as a like an abusive drug, don't they? Yes, yes. So it comes with a lot of negative connotation. Uh -huh. uh, ketamine is an anesthetic used in surgical situations. And for horses. What they found, I'm sorry? And for horses. Yes. So like that's, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> it, it's strong stuff. It'll yeah. take your horse. Um, the great thing about it is when you use just trace amounts. I mean, we're talking like one-tenth of what you would use in a surgical setting. There's a company, it's called the Ketamine Wellness Center, and they have done the research and they have found that when it's infused at a very low dose over a duration of time, it will actually start to reopen the receptors for your norepinephrine and your serotonin and all of those things that depression will actually physically mm -hmm. shut down. Yeah. So because traditional antidepressants and antipsychotics weren't working for me, I went this approach. And I was with them for about five years. And eventually I got to the point where I didn't need that therapy anymore. But having something that, yes, it was off-label. Yes, it came with a negative stereotype. But you know what? It was in a clinical setting. I had a nurse with me the entire time. I had to go through rigorous screening. This wasn't some back alley thing. It actually worked for me. It was a lifesaver and a game changer. And I'm glad you said that because that's the key thing. I mean, I know no one listening to my podcast will be, you know, I'm sure in that group that might be using them as, as uh, whatever they are, kind of drugs, leisure. What do you call them? leisure drugs? I don't know. But, yeah, but I think it's important to, to stress that in a pharmaceutical speak pharmaceutical setting, that's that's what you need because if you're depressed and anxious and nothing's working, you're feeling suicidal. The last thing you want to be doing is trying to self-administer a drug. Yes, and that's honestly what a lot of people do is they're self-medicating with the things that they have available to them, like alcohol, yeah, and food. Yes, 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 yes. yeah. So. That was a huge part of my recovery. The other part was a life coach. So I have found an amazing life coach. So I had tried traditional talk therapy 
and cognitive behavioral therapy, but it felt like going to church. I was there for one hour a day, one day a week, yeah. and then I had six days to just go be back to that same piece of shit person that I was prior. Yeah. I'm lazy. I need accountability. I'm a busy person and I wasn't committed. I needed someone who had the same level of commitment that I needed to produce to get the results I needed. I found this wonderful life coach who was available 24-7. And I will be the first one to admit, I am exceptionally fortunate that I had the financial resources to find these tools. Mm -hmm. I will not deny that I was very fortunate in that. But this gentleman was on my butt 24-7. And that was the level of accountability I needed. I needed someone that if at three o'clock in the afternoon, I was having a meltdown, I could send off a text real quick and say, hey, I need you to call me, I'm having an issue. And a text would come back and I would have that accountability. I was given homework assignments. We had weekly meetings on top of, you know, Zoom meetings and text messages. And he really broke down everything that I was holding on to that was keeping me from being happy. Mm. He sounds like a bit of a gift because it's not easy because there's thousands. I mean, you and I had a quick chat before we started, didn't we? And I said, oh, I do Arizona. And I mentioned a coach that I worked with there, a business coach, not a life coach. Yes. Um, who is huge, but you don't, you don't know who that person is. Um, and there are hundreds of thousands of people out there calling themselves coaches so how did you go about sifting through to find the person that was going to be right for you so there's actually a database where you can research life coaches and you can fire off a quick email saying this is who i am this is what i'm trying to accomplish and they sort of send back you know their little biop and what they want to do and you know there's it's like you said, there's so many of them out there. The, the great thing about Dennis was that he was equally self-effacing and was willing to say, this is who I am and this is what I've done. I want to help you do the same. And he was able to cut through the smoke and mirrors and get right to the heart of things. Had I not found him, I would still probably be looking for a life coach. Yeah. But it's all trial and error, trying to find the right fit. It's the same with, you know, a regular counselor or a therapist. You know, they're not all going to be the right fit. So you have to be willing to try on a different jacket each time and say, okay, how does this fit me? How is this going to produce the results I want? Yeah. It's yeah. trial and error and it's hard, but you have to be willing. Yeah, totally. And I, I, I'm glad you said that because I, I think one of the things I've always said to people when I've worked with them and, and I you know my background is clinical hypnotherapy and um, and you know perhaps you shouldn't say this but I always say that you know 20% of the success here is in the therapy like that that's really just the small part the 80% is in do you and this person really get one another and feel like this is a fit yes because that's the thing that makes the difference and you clearly had that with, with Dennis. Yes, it's the difference between walking around in six inch stiletto heels and walking in your tennis shoes. If it's not the right fit, it won't be comfortable and you won't be able to release the things that you have to. 
yeah and it's not about their talent if that's nothing to do with it it's it's that match isn't it yes it absolutely yeah. is you, you have to have that connection otherwise you're going to be reserved and you're not going to get what you want from it and if you're putting the money into it why not give a hundred percent so that you can get that back oh yeah i'm really glad you said that not many people people talk about oh you know you need to uh, step up and do the work but but i i'm glad you made that link with the money because because a lot of people do that they'll invest the money and think that that's the work done oh but they do don't they i'm investing money do. okay over to you i'll just sit here and wait but you saw you seized that opportunity well, it's, it's investment, you know, it, it's not just the financial investment, it's the personal investment. You know, there is no quick fix for this. There's, there's no pill you can take, there's no, you know, exercise or stretch you can do to release these evil things that you hold on to that keep you from living a fulfilled life. You have to put in the work and it's not the easiest job. Mm. You can't just throw money at it and expect it to get better. You have to be willing to invest yourself into the process. Totally. Totally. So you found it you found it tough from time to time. Oh, it's exhausting. <laughs> I would leave appointments in tears. It just that release of, oh my gosh, this is what I've been holding on to. And now I've got this feeling that I have to break down and resolve and kind of chew on and figure out why these things were affecting me the way they were. You know, having daddy issues and a toxic relationship with my mother and all those things that came with them and how I was perceiving them and basically vomiting it onto the world in front of me mm -hmm. and skewing what could have been this beautiful existence. But instead, I let those attacks in my childhood build this rickety foundation that I carried into adulthood. That's, I mean, that's brave stuff. And at the, at the time, were you, because you're, you're still relatively young. Um, Thank you. <laughs> well, you you certainly look it if you're not, but you are. Um, good Botox you, lady. So, sorry? I said, I've got a really good Botox lady. Ah. <laughs> that doesn't look like you have. But, um, <laughs> what was, where was I, where was I going with this champion? I can't remember. Lost my train of thought completely. I was oh, talking I know. about the foundation. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious about whether you were knowingly or unknowingly also going through this um, induced menopause whilst you were going through therapy and... Oh, and my body like, was absolutely falling apart. Yeah. Um, so shortly after my hysterectomy, I put on like 40 pounds and i started having uh pain syndrome so basically just this constant chronic pain that doctors love to call fibromyalgia because they don't know what to do and they don't want to take the time to figure it out because um, you know women exacerbate their pain it's all mental. Oh, we do we do we're such winters aren't we we really are all uh, we do wham, wham, wham. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my patriarchy soapbox that I yeah, like. Yeah, that's on. right. I can join you on that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we stand together in solidarity. Um, basically, I just quit producing hormones. 
And so my adrenal glands and my pituitary glands were being exhausted trying to make up for all these things that I didn't have. Um, I did end up finding this amazing position, but in the interim, I had both elbows replaced. I had to have work done on my knees. My joints were falling apart because testosterone is a huge building block. And if you don't have testosterone, you don't repair. So I was just constantly incurring this, you know, progressive injury that was leaving my ligaments and tendons spraying like jute rope. Wow. So I had all this weight, my body's falling apart. You know, the traditional doctor's like, oh, it's fibromyalgia. Oh, you know, here's some meds. Try this, try that, try that. Well, I don't really like Western medicine because the side effects are often worse than the problem. Mm. And I don't like a lot of pharmaceuticals in my system because I worry about the long-term effects. You know, it's either going to get processed through your liver or your kidneys. And you sort of need both of those. <laughs> you want to make it through life. Um, so I did end up finding a naturopath and we sort of approached it holistically from my diet to what my cortisol levels were through the day to what my adrenal glands were producing for me. We found out that my pancreas was trying to make up for what my adrenal glands were done with. And I started hormone therapy and the weight started coming off and the energy started coming back in and my hair started growing. And all of a sudden it didn't hurt to just get up and be around every day. Mm. Um, it took about 10 years to finally find a doctor who was really willing to listen. And I, it really falls back into that category of therapy. It's hitting the pavement time and time again to find the right provider. And it's exhausting. Mm. Mm. Um, but when you find that one doctor who's like, this is a problem, we have to address this. You shouldn't be this way, mm. especially at my age. Um, you know, I started having problems. My hysterectomy, I was right before my 24th birthday. I was 35 before I finally found someone who went, I think there's something else going on here. Let's look a little deeper mm. rather than just throwing prescriptions at me. Um, I love what I've been able to do with, you know, adjusting my diet and taking supplements and hormone replacement and adrenal gland support because it's really you're just a car you know and if you put crappy gas in you're not going to run right you have to put good quality ingredients in to feel your best i think i think that's really interesting and i think um menopause is one of those many pieces as you say because women aren't taken seriously enough with them. <laughs> when they have problems you know we're just complaining you know childbirth should be just a breeze shouldn't it and periods what's your problem um, yes and I think menopause is another of those things so I'm not surprised you didn't get the help with it uh, because even when you go through it in the in the expected time of life you know I've been all the way through it and out the other side and now I'm learning from from other women <laughs> Really? What that was? That was menopause. That oh, and that was men. Oh, and that was menopause. I mean, I had no idea. I thought this was just me. <laughs> there's, there's not a 
big conversation about it. No. That we, we don't talk to about be. women's health. No, there's beginning to be, but it's um, it's very early days, isn't it? And it's been going on forever. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, women are yucky and we don't talk about those things. But we really should because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not able to understand what's going on in your body, how can you adapt and adjust to it so that you can be successful with it? Good question. I mean, I... I asked that question of myself recently and I, and I, I did a little, uh, I may have done a podcast on it or something, but I was thinking well, really in some respects, this is a historical thing because generations before didn't expect to live much beyond, you know, it's only in the last century, I, my generation is probably the first that can expect to live to at least 85. You know, I can remember when I was growing up, my grandparents were dying in their mid-70s and they had already extended their life considerably. So, and so women traditionally, like, okay, you, you get married, you have children, um, and then you, you know, you're just in this caring thing. And and, and so there wasn't really, and any, and you weren't even entitled to have a job. I mean, it's only a century ago, we got the vote, for goodness sake. So being in the workforce, being a fully fledged member of the workforce, not just that someone that oh, does something on the side for a little extra money, it's all new. So I think, you know, this happened, this physically happened to you early, but for the rest of us, you know, we reach a point in life where historically, we've got no role models ahead of us. We've got no, um, no one to go what do you do now what what happens now and so we get stuck and we and we just accept whatever we're told and and we don't know what to do there's really no good guidebook for how to navigate once you're past child rearing it's no. like okay well now what do you do you just wear the empty nester pin <laughs> and you're just supposed to fade into the background until yeah. you have grandkids and then you're yeah. just a babysitter and that's it that's that's the plan, and and that's the problem. And women just get stuck. And some, I was talking to someone earlier on, on another interview. Um, some just go, okay, this is my life, and they accept that, even though the part of them knows it's not. But others, thankfully, like you, and I like to think like me, go, whoa, hang on, just a minute there. I'm not done yet. No. <laughs> no. So, so where has this led you? Where are you now? What's happening in your mind? What's, what's going on now? Well, I have a teenager right now and uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, he's actually a wonderful young man and I am really trying to teach him how to treat women, what consent is, you know, I don't have a menstrual cycle, but his peers do. So trying to teach him about that and to be sensitive and to understand the physiology behind it. Um, eventually he will start showing interest in girls maybe, and that will be a new conversation. Um, I am actually talking to you from my wedding venue right now. It's the quietest place I can find because everybody's home thanks to COVID. <laughs> when I'm not doing weddings, I'm a full-time photographer still. Uh, I just released a book a month ago. Yeah. Um, so, thank you. And it, it is the chronicle of 
how I got from being this unhappy, just desperate for an existence person to where I am now. Uh, so I'm spending a lot of time really reaching out to people and going, hey, I spent all this money and I understand that that's not something that everybody has. So let me do some of the legwork for you and show you what I did. Um, so so I kind of have a few puzzles. Oh, no, no, no. So I was going to ask what's the title of the book. Oh, it's Comfortably Uncomfortable. The Road to Happiness Isn't Always Paved. I like it. And is it on Amazon? It is. It is free with Kindle Unlimited. It is on Amazon. Uh, we do have a companion website for it that actually lists the providers that I used and found great success with. Um, it also has, you know, dialectical behavioral worksheets, cognitive behavioral therapy worksheets. I'm constantly adding content to try and help people that may not have the resources or the time or the money to get the help that they need. This can be that in-between to see what might fit them best. That's cool, that's cool. And then I welcome conversation. You know, you can find me on my Instagram and my Facebook. It's grownupgrowingpains.com. Grown because up growing, what grown was up growing yeah. pains. Okay, grown up growing pains, got it. Yeah. Because there is still a lot of painful growing to do as an adult. Mm. You're not done just because you've got an ID that says you're 21. Mm. I know. You like to think you are, but no, you're not. Yeah, no, you're not. And there are lessons that need to be learned, and they're not always pretty and packaged nicely with a pink bow. Some of them are going to knock you on your butt. And having those tools to help get you back up and dust you off are important. So I'm trying to provide those in mass for people that want them. Cool. So um, what's your... I'm going to obviously share the details so people can access that. So that would be, be cool. Um, but it's been so fascinating hearing your story. I, I think the book sounds like it's a must read for anyone that's ever felt lost or down or, or like they can't cope or they don't want to go on. Um, if you could leave one piece of advice for someone that perhaps is in that place that you used to be in, if you could, in fact, if you could be the person advising yourself back then, what might you say to yourself? Figure out how to love yourself. Right. It sounds cliche. You can't love anyone the right way. You can't do good in this world the correct way if you don't love yourself. And I'm not talking the, I'm gonna eat this donut because I love myself and, you know, self-care. I'm the real utter gritty at the end of the day when your head hits the pillow, you are satisfied with who you are kind of self-love yeah once you can figure that out the world is your oyster and all good things come from love hang in there it's there for you you just have to fight for it i like that i like that that's a really nice piece to close with i think so um jacqueline thank you so oh thank much. you no uh, it's been a pleasure thank you for reaching out and and being on the show and being so honest and open and um and sharing the book because i think you're right for some people they'll never have the resources for anything other but a book can totally transform your life um so i think it's fabulous thing that you've done and thank you again i am so appreciative of you and what you do thank you
Oh, you're very welcome. It's been brilliant. Thanks again. Bye. I appreciate you. Thank you, everyone. You have a wonderful day. Thank you.